All right, there we go. How's everybody feeling today? Good morning, church. So today we are kicking off this series, The Endless Pursuit of More. In our culture, it's very, very easy for us to constantly be pursuing more. In this culture, it screams, more is Y'all spoiling my message already. But that's what this culture screams, more is better. And in this series, we're gonna be talking about a few different things that constantly we are chasing. Approval, comfort. Next week is one of my favorite messages in this series. We're talking about chasing perfection. So many of us, we constantly want to be the perfect mom, the perfect dad, the perfect brother. And here's the thing, it is unattainable. It's like chasing after the wind. But today, we're gonna be talking about something that I believe that every single person in this room, people watching online at home, deal with to some degree. Chasing after money and stuff. Now, before we get into this message, I need some some participation from you guys, okay? So I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. I see people stretching, they're getting ready. So just raise your hands or don't, but I need your help. So how many of you would like to be rich? I'd make a great rich person, I'm just saying. I would be a really good rich person. Now, how many of you say like, hey, I know somebody who's rich? Maybe he's a neighbor, maybe a second cousin, and you're like, hey, I would be a way better rich person than that guy. <laughs> now, here's my next question is, how many of you in this room are rich? Okay, okay, praise God. We Come and talk to me after church, all right? We, I'm just kidding. So, so here's the thing. Pastor Tim, he, he, he lets me know when things are offensive because I'm not always politically correct. One of the things he told me was rich people don't like to be called rich. Can you believe that? They like to be called affluent, right? Or successful. So that's just a little sidebar, something for you to take home. So, so here's the thing. Almost everybody in this room, you know, besides a few people, they said, hey, I am not rich, but I want to be rich. And in this culture, we're constantly pursuing more, right? More money, more stuff, newer car, newer house. And and the thing that we say is, if I only had a little bit more, man, if I just had a little bit more, everything would be okay. So I found this article And it it basically asked people, what would you do for $5 million? What would you do for $5 million? And in this article, what it said was, 54% of people would listen to country music for the rest of their life. (laughs) Up and down, US 19, honky tonkin, I could do that. I could, Trevor could do that. So, 42% of people said that they would remove all their teeth. Hey, you got money, you can buy veneers, You'll, you're in good shape. 50% of people said that they would allow one random person to die. Some of y'all got questioned on this poll and you said that, so don't be gasping. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 24% of people said that they would live in solitude for 20 years. I can't even be alone for a day. My, my wife can't leave me alone, she gets worried about me. So there was this Gallup poll and it basically asked people, what is rich? 
So they asked different people, of, depending on how much they made, so they asked people who made 30 grand, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more, what would it take for you to be rich? And the people who made 30 grand a year, they said, if I could just make 75 grand a year, I would be set, I would be rich. Now, maybe you make about 75 grand a year and you're like, listen, it ain't that good. It, I promise you, inflation hit and it's not as good as it used to be. They asked people who are making about 50 grand, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more, how much would you need to feel rich? They said $100,000. Now some of you make 100 grand and you're like, you got kids in sports, maybe a kid in private school, you're like, listen, I am broke, okay? You have, you have no idea. Now they asked some of the top in earners, people who are well into the six figures, what, what do you need to be rich. What do you need to be, you know, I'm good, I don't have to worry. They said $5 million in assets. I need $5 million in assets to consider myself rich. So maybe you have $2 million in assets, you're not rich, okay? So, so here's the thing. With all of this being said, what is rich? What is affluent? What is, it, what, what is rich? Now here's the thing. Rich is a moving target, constantly a moving target, and usually the target goes up a little bit. I remember when I was in college, I was like, man, if I could just make this amount of money, I would be set, my, my wife wouldn't have to worry, we could start a family, we could get a house, and very, very quickly I got to that number, and I was like, I need some more, I'm struggling. And then eventually I was like, okay, I got a new goal now. I got this new goal, if I, if I can just get to X, everything is gonna be good. And then again, I, I got to that, and I was like, hey, but I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to invest some stuff. I need a little bit more. Rich is constantly a moving line. So the question is, how much do you need to make to be happy? Just a little bit more. That's the answer. So Jesus spoke about so many things. He talked about heaven. He talked about hell. He talked about repentance, he talked about love, he talked about his second coming, but what did he talk about the absolute most? He talked about money. He talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. Why is this such an important thing in scripture? Is just like in today's culture, it's the same as it was back then, where your, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will also be. Money is one of those things that just grips people. It runs their life. They make life decisions based on acquiring more, making more. Now, one of the things that Jesus spoke about when he spoke about money was having the right perspective on money and things. This is Luke 12, 15. It says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard. So this right here, this is two warnings. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why is this so important? Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So many people in, their, in this life, their biggest goal is success, right? I wanna be a successful teacher. I wanna be a successful businessman or businesswoman. I wanna be a successful mom or successful dad. And this word success is something everybody wants so desperately. So what is the worldly definition of success? It's gaining wealth, it's gaining respect, fame, completion of something that is, that is very important. It, now here's the definition of godly success. Success as a Christian, 
looks completely different. It's obedience to God. How do you know if you are successful as a follower of Jesus Christ? I am obeying God. I am obeying his word. I'm not empowered by myself. I'm empowered by the spirit of God to advance his kingdom. So what's the biggest difference between worldly success and a success as a follower of Jesus? Is Worldly success says, it's all about me. It's all about my bank account. It's all about my house. It's all about me. But success as a Christian, it's, it's all about him. So in that verse, it says, watch out. Be ready. Those advertisements are going to come. Social media, you're gonna see things. This is what you need to be happy. Friends will say, listen, if you just had this, it would make your life so much easier. So be ready. But I want you to understand this. The quality of your life is not determined by the quantity of your stuff. But this right here, culture shouts the opposite. The lie from the culture is this, is what you don't have is what you need to be happy, to be fulfilled. But for us as Christians, your life does not consist out of an abundance of stuff. It weighs us down. It keeps our eyes off of God. A few, I think it was a couple months ago, we went through the parable series and we were talking about the rich man who had a great harvest. He had a great harvest. It was huge. He questioned to himself, what shall I do? Should I invite people over, have a, have a big party, maybe give some of it away? No, no, he's like, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tear down my old barn and I'm building bigger ones, right? I'm building better ones. That way I can store all of this harvest put it away, take the next three, five, six years off, and just relax. I'm gonna do it bigger. I'm gonna do more. This is what Jesus says in Luke 12. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, I want you to understand, God wasn't upset at him because he was rich. He wasn't upset that he had a great harvest because here's the truth. God gave him the harvest. God gave him the ability to work. God gave him the soil. God gave him the water. All of those things, those are blessings from God. He was not upset that he was rich. He was upset because he was not rich towards God. He was missing out on what mattered most. So in today's message, I want to give you some good news and some bad news. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? All right, I'm going to do the good news because that's in my notes first, okay? So. <laughs> so here's the good news. You are rich. Amen. You are rich. So we got some people clapping, they're like, hallelujah, I am rich, praise God. But some of you, they, you don't believe me. You do not believe that you are rich because you've got more bills than you got money. So I don't feel rich. Now, here's the truth. More than three billion people on this earth live on less than $2 a day. Billion, okay, with a B. More than three billion people live on less than $2 a day. And some of us, including myself, I'm gonna be honest with you, bought a $6 cup of coffee on the way to church today. 
So you can tell how rich someone is by the things that upsets them, right? We get, we get pretty upset pretty easily. You know, Amazon Prime, it was supposed to be next day delivery. But it took three days to come to my door and now I don't even need it anymore and, and, and I'm upset. This drive-through is taking forever. Man, Chick-fil-A forgot my dippy sauce for my nuggies. I'm upset. Netflix isn't hooking up to my Wi-Fi. I forgot my AirPods, so I have to hold my phone up manually to my ear. Man, you poor, unfortunate souls. We are so blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. By the touch, give it up for God, we are. Just by the touch of my finger, I can play any song that I want to play. This is unbelievable. Back in the day when I was in high school, I used to have to go to LimeWire and, 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 and download it illegally, okay? Now, we've got Spotify. It's already on our phone. If we want a video game, a show to watch, put it on our iPad, we have it in a moment. If we are hungry, what do we do? We get in our car. So if you got in your car today, you're in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. We get in our car and we pass 15 different options and we finally find the one that we prefer and we're like, you know what? I'm gonna pull in here. I'm gonna get me a glass of milk that someone else milked the cow for. Someone else caught the fish and, and took care of it and cleaned it and cooked it, prepared it and put it in front of you and, and then we're upset because it took seven minutes. That's how rich we are. Now, what I wanna just make clear, that, that there are some people in this room, some people that are at home watching online who are hurting financially. Maybe you've had some medical stuff come up, maybe you've, you're unemployed right now, you're divorced, you're a single parent. Today, I'm talking to the majority of people. God has blessed us so much. And we diminish his favor and his blessings in our life. I don't know about you, but for me and for our church, I wanna be good at being rich. Rich in a way that honors God. So I think it's important just to admit it. Just say, God, hey, I am rich. Just say it. I'm rich. My God has blessed me. I'm rich. Now, I got about 30% of participation right there because this makes people feel uncomfortable. Ask yourself, why do you feel uncomfortable to, to sit here and say, I'm rich? Maybe, maybe you doubt it. Maybe, maybe you don't believe it. Why are we uncomfortable? Ecclesiastes 5.19, it says, moreover, when God gives, wealth, gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil. This is a gift from God. Your wealth, the amount of money, maybe you say, man, if only I had a little bit more. This is a blessing from God. And what other blessing in our life do we feel embarrassed or as if it's, it's not enough? If someone comes up to me and is like, man, your wife, she's incredible, man. She is so nice, she's so loving, she, she helped me. What am I, I'm sorry. I feel I'm embarrassed. I'm gonna say thank you. God has blessed me with an incredible wife. If, if someone comes up to me and is like, hey, you have good health, you know, you, 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 you're, you're not sick too often, am I gonna feel embarrassed by that? 
I wanna say, my God has blessed me with great health. It's the same thing in any area of our life. We don't diminish the blessing of God. We thank God for the blessings in our life. We do not apologize. But this is one area so many people are embarrassed of. But accept it, you are rich. Our God has blessed us. Now, now here's the bad news. You're rich. It's the good news and the bad news. Why is this the bad news? It's because the truth is, is this is a huge spiritual disadvantage. Huge spiritual disadvantage. In the Bible, there's this, this rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, what must I do to, to have eternal life, to come into your kingdom? And Jesus lists a bunch of stuff. You must do this. You must keep these commandments. You must do this. He looks at Jesus with a smile and says, I've been doing it since my youth. I'm good, I follow your commandments, I know the word, and then Jesus looks at him, but there's, but there's one last thing you must do. You must sell all your possessions, give everything away, and follow me. That day, the rich young ruler walked away and decided not to follow God. And right after he walked away, Jesus said this. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is a spiritual disadvantage for you. So why is it such a spiritual disadvantage? It's because we've never had to truly rely on God in every area of our life. We have food in our pantry. We have a roof over our head. You may want a different roof or a bigger roof or a nicer roof, but you have a home. You have a trailer. You have an apartment, whatever it may be. You've never had to really say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. You've never had to say that and actually mean it. There's distractions. I'm busier. More demands. I have more options. There's more stuff to manage, and we're missing out on what matters most. We're missing out. I remember when I was in uh, freshman in high school, we went to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip. Um, it wasn't the, the nice part where the cruisers go, okay? It was like the slums, it was, it was kind of scary. But I remember the, for the first day when we get there, we, we go into this little town, I just began to cry with a bunch of other people. We were just like, we were just hugging it up. Young kids just like to hug and cry, it's weird. But we're just hugging and crying and we're like, how in the world does someone live like this? Man, the dirt floors in their homes, they got, they got box homes, tin roofs, all, they have nothing. And I was just crying, I was like, I cannot believe this, God. Now, the second and third day came, and to be honest with you, I, I didn't feel bad for them anymore. Because I began to look at them and think, man, they have something I don't have. They have something that I don't have. They have more time with people. Man, they have more meaningful relationships. They have less stress. I remember seeing this boy with, with a stick push this tire down the road with this big smile on. I'm like, he's just having a ball with a tire. The, 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 the baseball that they were playing with was one that they made. It was made out of rags. They were loving their life. And when the fourth and fifth day came, I was jealous of them. I was jealous of how they were. 
where they actually had to rely on God in their life. I was jealous of their love for their community, for their people. I was jealous of this. This is a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage. But I want you to know this is we have a greater responsibility. We have a great responsibility because to whom much is given, much is expected. We have a responsibility. But our world shouts the opposite. What you don't have is what you need. You need that new phone, that newer car, those new countertops. You, everything, it's, it's constantly more. It's never good enough. Be on your guard. Be on your guard because a person's life does not consist out of an abundance of stuff. We, we know God's scripture. We, we talk about it. We read it. We know it in our head, but do we actually know it in our heart? Because how our life actually says is more is better. Our lifestyle says I'm gonna spend more than I make. I'm gonna, I'm gonna constantly, even if I've got it, I'm just going to blow it. I need this stuff. I'm gonna use this to impress somebody at a business meeting. So we, we justify our purchases. I deserve this. I've worked so hard. I deserve this. Our actions say you believe that more will actually make you happy. We believe it. When we believe most problems can be solved by more, you are under the power of money. It's the truth. You're under the power of money. I want you to know this. Money is not going to help your kids stay off of drugs. If anything, it's gonna help them get it. More money isn't going to heal your loved one's cancer. More money won't take away your depression and your anxiety. More money will not save your marriage. The only thing that can bring healing and restoration is the presence of God. It's not in what you can acquire. It's not in what you do. We don't need more of what's temporary. We don't need more of things that are going to fade away. We need more of what's eternal. For me, and I pray this is your prayer too, I don't wanna be under the power of money. I wanna be under the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna be led by my own heart's desires. I, don't, I wanna be led by his desires. I love what Paul told Timothy, and, and when I read this verse, don't hear it like Paul's telling Timothy. I want him to, you to hear this like it's being told to you because we're rich. This is 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Why should I not put my, health, my, my hope in wealth? Is because it's so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God gives wealth. A lot of times, like, I'm a self-made man. I did this myself. No, you didn't. You did not do this yourself. God gave you the ability to do this. God gave you the mind to think, to problem solve, to work hard. You didn't do it yourself. I want you to know, it's not wrong to have stuff. It, it, don't feel guilty. It's not bad. Feel responsible. Feel responsible. Steward this well. It's not just about 
you. You can have a nice house. You can have a nice car. You can go on vacations. That's a blessing from God. But it's not all for you. Because to whom much is given, much is expected. In verse 18, it continues, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Truly life. It's not constantly chasing after the wind. It's not constantly chasing the next promotion or, or the, the better benefit. No, no. That's not a true life. That's not, I wanna, I wanna understand the depth of God. I wanna understand his blessings, the goodness of who he is. I wanna understand the character of God. That is how it really is to be rich. We can be, we can be generous, rich in good deeds so that we may take hold of a life that is truly life. I, I love this phrase. This is a phrase that a pastor that I watch, he, he read a while ago, and I just want us to read it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. I know tons of people who have so much money in the bank and have no peace in their heart. I know so many people that are living the life that on Instagram, oh my goodness, it is beautiful, and they are filled with depression. It's not about more of what is temporary. It's about more of what is eternal. Stop trusting in things that are temporary. Trust in God as your provider. And because I have more, I'm going to give more. I'm going to do more. The temporary things of this world, they promise so much and they deliver so little. We don't need more of what's temporary. Things that are going to, to rust, moths will eat it up, things will fade away. We need more of the presence of God in our life. We need more of him leading us. You want joy? You want peace? You want love? You want grace? You're not gonna find it in your 401k, especially right now but you're going to find it in the presence of God. Don't just buy something because it excites you and then we, we put it in a closet and then two years later we sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Do something that matters. Let's make a difference like only a rich person can. Let's do it. So, so what can you do? Help people out. There are people who, just like we were talking about earlier, people who are going through divorces, widows, People who are raising single, they're raising children alone. Lend a helping hand. Go and serve at Helping Hands. People that are coming through there at the lowest moments of their life, and you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Give your first tithe. Give your first offering. Save your money and go on a mission trip. I can promise you this, it'll change your life. It'll be the best week of your entire life. It's not about you, it's about him. It's about other people. Now, I'm not preaching today from a place of not understanding 
money and, and not understanding what this is like. I lived a huge majority of my life being a slave to a lot of things, but being a slave to money. I remember when I got my first paycheck, I was like, I was a good Christian boy working at Chick-fil-A, man, making 7.25 an hour. I remember that first, that first paycheck, it was like, oh, I like that. I need, I need a little bit more of that. And, and from that moment, that's what drove me so much. You know, in the corporate world, we call it being money motivated. If you're money motivated, this job's good for you. I was very, very money motivated. My entire life, that's all I wanted was to make money, to acquire, to retire very, very young. That was, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. I was in the corporate world making really, really good money, pushing back my line of being rich. I need more, I need another promotion. And, and then eventually I moved to Fort Myers and I was living down there and making the most money I've ever made in my life, thinking, man, this is it. This is, this is what it's all about, right? And we spiritualize and we say, I get to be a provider for my family. I get, but I was so out of God's will for my life. I remember sitting in there and Pastor Glenn called me when I was down there. He goes, hey, God put you on our heart. You've been serving in our youth ministry for six years. Would you wanna come and be our youth pastor? And I was like, okay, that's cool. How much we talking, Pastor? He told me the number, and I'm like, Bishop, we gonna need a little bit more. <laughs> He's like, that's it, man, that's all, that's all we got. And it was, I had to change my life. But when I, was, when I was talking to my wife, I'm praying, how in the world can I even make this work? I don't know what I'm gonna do. This is like half of my salary, I don't even know what is going to, to happen. I was watching a video on on YouTube, listening to messages, reading God's scripture, and there was this message I came across. And after I heard this message, I was like, this is what I need to do. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I've gotta sell stuff. I don't care if I've gotta work another job. This is what I'm going to do. In this message, this pastor stood in front of thousands and thousands of young adults, and he began to talk to them. And he's like, all right, I wanna tell you this story of these two older ladies. They were in their 80s. They were missionaries to, to Cameroon. They went there, they were there for 15 years, leading people to the Lord, doing medical missions, and, and they gave up everything. Once they retired, they didn't move into a retirement home, they went overseas, because they were like, this is what God has called us to do. They served the Lord faithfully for over a decade, leading people to the Lord. One day, they're on their way to this certain mission, and the brakes went out in the truck, and their car went over, the edge of the mountain, and they died instantly. And he asked them, is, is this a tragedy? Absolutely not. It's not a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. Because those people did what God told them to do. They walked out, they're calling, yeah, it's sad, of course. They passed away. But man, they got to stand before God and say, this is what I did for you. Now the next story that he told he pulls out a magazine clipping from Reader's Digest. If you don't know what that is, it's for older people, okay? So. <laughs> it's, this, it's this magazine, he pulls out this clipping and, and it's, about, it's about retirement. It's about your 401k, it's about invest now. That's the big thing, you gotta start, right? So start now, look at these people. He shows this couple, this guy, he's 59 years old, his wife is 51 years old, they moved to Punta Gorda 
what a beautiful place. They love it. What do they do in their time? They, they sail on their 30-foot sailboat. They love it. They play softball. They get to hang out in their community that's just built for them. It's beautiful. They love to spend their nights going on the beach collecting seashells. That's what they get to do. Now, is that a tragedy? Yeah, because what are they gonna do? They're gonna stand before God and say, God, look at all my seashells, right? Look at all my seashells. Listen, that is the American dream. Don't buy it. Now, I'm not telling you not to plan for, for retirement. Those things are important, absolutely. But when that's all that matters in our life, don't buy it. That's the American dream. Make a lot of money, retire early, move to Punta Gorda and collect seashells. Don't buy it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. I will do more. That's how to be rich. You know, maybe you're like, I, I've felt like this a lot of, I, I need more, I want more. This is Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, whoever loves money, never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is not satisfied by their income. Your worth does not come by your job title or how much money that you make. That is not your worth. That is not why you're important. Your worth comes from whose you are. I want you to understand this. At the end of your life, at the end of my life, we will stand before God and give an account for what we did for him. Your spouse will not be there. Your mother and father will not be there. It'll be you and our creator. And he's gonna say one or two things. He's gonna say, depart from me. I didn't even know you. Or he's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's not gonna say, well done, my, my good and faithful nurse. Well done, my good and faithful pastor. Well done, my good and faithful CEO. Well done, my good and faithful, well done, my good and faithful servant, with who I am well pleased. Welcome into my kingdom. It's not about what you do or what you make, it's about what you do with that. So we have an opportunity to make a difference in the people around us. People for, for camp, they just felt led to give. This is a very generous church. They were like, we just wanna give to camp. And because of that, 130 plus students were baptized. That is what we can do. That is what we can do. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our eyes will not be fixed on our treasures or the things that we do or our jobs or how much money we make, God, but we will always give credit to you. You have blessed us in immeasurable ways and we thank you, Lord. Maybe you're in here today and you said, you know what, I've never made that decision to truly follow God. I'm living for things of this world. I'm filling my time with things that are pulling me away. I want you to know this, that Jesus paid the cross for you on the cross. 
He died in your place. He took on your sins. He became sin so that you and I could have eternal life. And maybe you're in here today and you say, you know what, I'm ready to drop everything. I'm, trying, I'm ready to put everything on the back burner. I'm ready to follow God. If you're in here today and you say, I want that, I want salvation, what I'm asking you to do is just to raise your hands on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. So if you just raise your hand, what I'm asking you to do is just talk to God. This is kickstarting your relationship with him. Just say, Lord, I'm declaring that you are my Lord, that you're my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Today, create in me a new heart. Just begin to talk to him, and I'm gonna pray over you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people that are accepting you as their Lord and Savior right now. We declare today your kingship and your lordship over us. God, forgive us of our sins. We're turning away from the person we used to be. We pray, Lord, that you would create in us a new heart, a clean heart, one that's responsive and ready to do your will. We declare today that you are our God, our Savior, and our very best friend. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Andrew. Do you appreciate this young man? Tell you what. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? And as the altar prayer team comes to the front, I want to invite you after this blessing, if you'd like prayer for any reason, please come up and receive prayer. And if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer to Jesus, really receiving him in your heart for the first time, we have a book for you called A Fresh Start with God. We want to give you that for free. It's just a blessing that we want to be in your life. But to receive your blessing now, if you would just open your hearts to the Lord, turn your palms upward if you like. And attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you with the wealth of his love, with the people that he has placed in your life to help, to serve. May the Lord bless you with the riches of his word. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. Don't forget your Italian eyes. Sunday fun day today.